Entertainment capital of the world. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Been a great third down defense the last two weeks. The Steelers have got an interception and a run back all the way home. It's Belaine with the touchdown on the pick six. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Mahomes drifting downfield. Intercepted. His first of the season, Jeff Heath. Now in our number two on a Monday, glad to have you here. TC Martin, Ballpark Frank, Numchuck on the other side of the glass, making it happen this hour. Steve Berline will join us, the former quarterback, and uh, does a fantastic job with uh, CBS as the NFL analyst. And can always check Steve Berline's show out. Uh, his Monday afternoon quarterback edition with uh, Trent Green and Rich Gannon. That'll be on a little bit later today as well, too. So Steve Berline will join us as we talk a little NFL. We get ready for tonight's game as well, too. We've got Seattle taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. And uh, the news coming down were the Ravens and the Steelers moved again from Tuesday to Wednesday. So just breaking my heart here. Push them back. Yeah. Push him back. It used to be what the defense chanted. Now yeah. it's what the NFL is chanting for Push this game. Back. Push him back. <laughs> Way back. Oh, please. I can't believe I just said that. I can't believe you brought that up. I I, I didn't know you were going to run with it like that, well, but okay. I mean, the things that just come hey, to mind. Know, like the go. Raiders, when I turn the ball over, you're supposed to pick it up and run, right? Absolutely so. correct. Exactly. <laughs> Actually. Actually, did you see any of the Panthers game yesterday? Panthers and Vikings? And I it was history. History was made yesterday where you had, what, two back-to-back scoop and scores for the same guy for the Carolina Panthers who got two touchdowns on successive plays. I think it's the first time that has happened in 100 years. True story. It's been a while. Yeah. It's been, it's, it's, it, 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 as Stained would sing, it's been a while. Exactly. All right. All right. Matthew Holt joins us. Our guy, U.S. Integrity. Hopefully he had a, a fantastic weekend. Uh, did you hit the treadmill, Matt? Uh, I know you love your turkey on on Thanksgiving. Yeah, I hit the turkey pretty good Thursday. You did. <laughs> was there in-game wagering on, on picking up two 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 straight fumbles and running them in? Yeah, those had to be yeah. big odds. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. All right, man. Hey, uh, let's let's talk about what happened yesterday. Big day for the books. Uh, the month of November has been very, very good, really bad for the players. I believe, Matt, it's like, what, four weeks in a row that the the books have raked in some cash here. Yeah, it wasn't quite as good of a day for the books as, as some people might think just on the surface, um, When you talk, especially when you talk about teasers. So when we think about advantage teasers, those are teasers that go through both three and seven. There were three of them yesterday. The New England Patriots, you tease them up from plus two to plus eight. They win outright. Uh, the Miami Dolphins, you tease them down from minus eight and a half to minus two and a half. They won outright. And the Green Bay Packers from minus nine down to minus three uh, or eight and a half if you got it early. Uh, and then, of course, that got there easy. So not the best day for the books. And when you have a little bit of an accumulation of parlays and teasers going to the favorite on Sunday night and the favorite gets there easy, that's never great for the books as those accumulator bets tend to get there 
Um, the two games that really did help the books yesterday, the New York Giants failing to cover against the Cincinnati Bengals, the Cleveland Browns failing to cover against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And uh, the Raiders' money was definitely flowing in yesterday. And we just talked about, Matt, I'm not sure the Raiders have any business being a three, three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road, no matter who they're playing. But and we know the books are rooting for Atlanta. A lot of public money on the Raiders yesterday. Yeah, the, the Nevada books especially really did well with that result yesterday. Some of the other books across the country, it was kind of a eh, eh, game. Uh, especially in some of the you know the biggest states where like New Jersey, which is the number one state for sports betting, over eight hundred fifty million dollars in handle in the state of October alone. I mean, in the month of October alone, the November numbers are obviously not out yet. Um, it wasn't quite as good, but a big day for the Nevada books with the Raiders going down big time yesterday. When it comes to uh, games like um, the Steelers and Ravens coming up here. What does that do to the books when the game is constantly being changed like that over and over? Like, if you bet it originally Thursday, is your ticket still good, or is that wiped out and you have to re-bet it again after so many postponements? So you have to look at, at your book, first of all, check their house rules. At many books, it is, you know, including the Superbook in town, they put up a rule. Um, it's within eight days of the of the scheduled event as long as it's still played in the same region. So basically, even if they don't play it at the same stadium, as long as they play it at the same city or area, within eight days you have action. But there are a lot of books, too, that say if it's not played that day, it's a refund. So you really have to check the book you bet it at. And what really gets frustrating for some bettors in these situations is, They'll have some books that issued a refund, some books that are still giving them action, and it can be confusing and frustrating experience for the betters involved. All right, and then you also have, you know, uh, with teasers or money line parlays and that and that sort of thing, or just regular parlays as well too. If this game actually does get postponed or whatever, and then you know, sometimes you'll, you'll the teaser will go down one, or it'll be no action. Or uh, some books may just say, like you said, hey, uh, you know, no action period altogether on that an, an entire teaser, right? Yeah, those things tend to get really confusing. And we saw it again with the Saints game where, you know, everyone says, what does that do? What does all this stuff do to that betting handle? Well, normally it kills it. I mean, that Saints-Broncos game, you had a very popular team in the Saints, a less than a touchdown favorite against Denver. Uh, that's usually an appealing spot for teaser betters, for betters, period. Then all of a sudden, the Denver announcement comes out the day before the game, and that line goes all the way to 16 and a half, 17 pretty quickly. And that pretty much that game dried up with action. Nobody wants to lay 17, but no one wants any piece of Denver. And then suddenly you get a a game where you probably stood to get a substantial amount of action, ended up getting almost no action. I can tell you it wasn't the best weekend handle-wise for the books. You lost the big game. You, know, you This past week you lost Pittsburgh-Baltimore, which is certainly the premier game of the week, that along with Kansas City-Tampa Bay. Um, you know, there were some other issues. You know, there were a lot of injuries in the Colts game, which kept that action down a little bit, including their starting running back, Jonathan Taylor, who got ruled out Saturday due to COVID. So just a lot going on, rescheduling of games. 
but hopefully we'll get the game off tonight, no problem, and then we'll see if the Ravens and Steelers can actually play this week, because right now I'm hearing they may push it to Wednesday. Yeah, it sounds like that's uh, the case. Matthew Holt joins us from U.S. Integrity. Matt, you talk about Handel being down this past weekend. Is any of that have to do with the holiday weekend? And with all your experience and all these years in the book, uh, has it been, you know, with games, you know, with the NFL on Thursday, you know, with the three games normally, and then games, you know, on Sunday and everything else, is it usually a big handle weekend or does the holiday have a little do with maybe not so much? So most people that I talk to and most numbers we see are showing that the books had one of their worst holiday weekends they've had in a long time. And a lot of it has to do not just with the Thanksgiving Day games. I think it's a combo. First of all, you had terrible Thanksgiving Day NFL games. Detroit, Houston, two teams, neither of which are anywhere near the playoff hunt. In fact, Detroit fired their coach after their blowout loss, and then Washington and Dallas, which was not only a battle of bad teams, but an absolute blowout as well, which kills the second half and in-play handle. On top of it, you had no good college games that day. The Both college games that were still on the schedule weren't very good. One of them ended up getting canceled late anyway, and you're left with a college slate that day of New Mexico, Utah State, two winless teams on the season that nobody cares about or wants to watch. And then you roll into the college football weekend slate, which normally starts on Friday, But that day after Thanksgiving slate usually kicks off the rivalry weekend, the Civil War and all these games. And even though some of those games were still played, Cal, Stanford, the Civil War, Auburn, Alabama, and the Iron Bowl, when they're not at the very end of the season, they don't seem to have the same impact. In this case, Auburn, again, nowhere near the the CFP or SEC West Hunt, so there didn't seem to be that much interest in the game, which did have a 24-and-a-half-point spread. Washington-Oregon State was a good game, but this early in the season, with only a couple games under their belt each, it didn't seem to have the impact. Cal-Stanford, same thing. So these rivalry games that people are used to seeing at the very end of the season, in many cases the last regular season game of the year for these teams, didn't seem to have the impact early in the year for the Pac-12 rivalry games. Some of the other games, rivalry games with such big point spreads just didn't seem to resonate as well. Penn State-Michigan with one win combined certainly didn't resonate the way a Penn State-Michigan game normally would have when both teams were competing for a Big Ten championship berth. So I think a lot of it had to do with how the season's gone, the lack of you know those rivalry games not feeling the same, and then losing the best Thursday game, which is the best game of the week probably in Steelers-Ravens, uh, and then, you know, obviously having other issues. The Saints-Broncos, Broncos have no quarterbacks, yet for some reason the NFL makes them play. Then you have a 17-and-a-half, almost unbettable or unwatchable NFL game on Sunday, and it just turned into one of those weeks, really, for the books. Matt, when it comes to uh, the casual better out there, is there a sense of frustration in some parts with some of them? Because we know that they do like to play the parlay bets, you know, more than necessarily the straight bets because they want to take a little and try to turn it into a lot. And so many games are getting canceled, not only like the night before, but right up to the game of. We saw Florida State for the second week in a row cancel a game on the day of. We saw Ohio State's game get canceled. We saw Clemson uh, a week or so ago. So is there a frustration sometimes that you put in your bet? And you, I might have a five-teamer, but it might be a three- or four-teamer by the time they kick off on Saturday. I 
think maybe it just started to resonate. So let's face it, starting week one of this college football season way back in September in the NFL, we've, been, we've had games moved and canceled, Bills, Titans, and, and you know a lot of college football games. Yet for whatever reason, every single state, Nevada included, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Mississippi, was breaking records for handle in September and October. I think it's when we got post-election that people were hoping it would stop post-election, and it hasn't. In fact, it's gotten a lot worse. And just when people were hoping COVID was going to slow down, suddenly we're seeing way more games canceled. Almost 200 college basketball games canceled already. We're only one week into the season, over 130 College football games canceled, and to your point, Frank, it used to be one or two games a week canceled. Now it's half the slate every week is canceled, and I think betters are are certainly starting to get a little bit of fatigue dealing with it all, and I think it finally surfaced and showed itself that fatigue and frustration this past week. You know, in Florida State, we're getting word that their game this Saturday is going to be canceled. Their season's done. They don't have any games left on the on the schedule. Well, if Ohio State loses another game, I believe they can't play in the Big Ten championship True. game. That's right, yeah. And there's talk that, that Wisconsin's game coming up this weekend could be canceled again as well, too, and they're going to be in the same situation. So who would be your Big Ten champion? Oh, not Northwestern now. They lost to Michigan State for crying out loud. Exactly. Well, it was looking like Indiana versus Northwestern. Now Northwestern goes down. Indiana's starting quarterback, Michael Penix, right. tears his ACL. He's out for the year. Big Ten is a mess right now. All right, Matthew Holt joins us from U.S. Integrity. Matt, Monday Night Football. We know this game will get played tonight. Seattle, six-and-a-half-point choice over Philadelphia. This line opened at five. People keep betting Seattle. We know that this NFC least with Philadelphia, the Giants, the Washington football team in Dallas, it is a stone-cold mess. Uh, Give me some thoughts on, on Seattle traveling to Philly tonight. I, I like Seattle tonight, and if you look historically, road favorites on Monday Night Football of greater than three but seven or less have actually done pretty well, and the idea is that a good team doesn't mind the travel as much when they get to play in that prime time slot and get extra rest and preparation, which tends to help the better teams. Not only that tonight, but you have a Philly team that I think is really starting to feel the pressure. Washington won again. They, they already beat Philly this year. The Giants won again. And the Philly's going to keep pace in this division, which somebody's going to have to win. They really need a win tonight, yet it's the players now who have completely lost confidence in Carson Wentz. You saw it last week when, when he would throw interceptions and they would literally shake their head and show public displays of disdain and frustration for the way that Carson Wentz is playing. And from what I'm hearing, it is a pretty split locker room. And that's despite the fact that almost every single report says that Jalen Hurts isn't ready, that he doesn't have NFL accuracy yet, and that playing him could be an epic disaster. Yet still you have a split locker room with half the people looking to get Jalen Hurts on the field because they are so tired of what Carson Wentz has been doing and how bad that play is. This isn't a good situation to have a split locker room against a team who can hang 40 on you like the Seattle Seahawks. I'm probably going to lean Seattle. At 3-6-1, and one, if, the, if the NFC East wasn't as horrific as they are, would Wentz be getting benched right now just to get her some starting time in the NFL? I 100% think so. I think at this point, as bad as Wentz is playing – 
for a lot of reasons. Number one, if you ever want to trade him, you need to save some trade value, and by having continuously running him out there and having him just throw interception after interception, you're decreasing that trade value. But on the other side, you're right, you would no longer be playing for any potential playoff spot and the money that comes with that playoff spot. So I think you would certainly at least like to see what you have in Jalen Hurts. And I think we would have seen him already probably several games ago. But because they're basically in a one-game race, I mean, one game separating three teams, uh, with Dallas only, you know, slightly behind him, that they, they feel pressure to play Carson Wentz, and it is real. I mean, early in the year, the excuse was all the injuries, the injuries to the offensive line, the injuries to all the receivers. Since then, their offensive lines got healthy. Their receiving core has been healthy for several weeks now. It hasn't helped Carson Wentz. I don't know what the answer is for him. Yeah, 14 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. The guy's been sacked 40 times, just uh, 31st. Okay, in 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 completion percentage, just atrocious. And the thing with with Jalen Hurts is the knock on him is not uh, the the accuracy. I mean, in the limited time, the few passes that he's thrown, he's been accurate. He was as probably the most accurate passer the last year at Oklahoma, the year before that at Alabama. The guy, com- you know, completed seventy percent of his of his passes, no matter where he was at. The thing with Jalen Hurts is they're just not giving him enough of the offense to get in there and be a starter to digest and the thing about it is when you are paying Carson Wentz the contract that you're paying him you're not going to get off him and that's what I'm hearing with Doug Peterson is saying hey he's our guy we're basically going to go with him until his arm falls off or something really disastrous happens which is probably not the way to go here yeah you're probably right um, and, and I don't know what the answer is. I, I, I'm starting to feel now, and I think most reports indicate that you could probably expect Jalen Hurts to get some snaps tonight. You know what the, the best bet tonight might be is Carson Wentz total passing yards under, I think I saw, 238 and a half. Because at the end of the day, even if Jalen Hurts gets eight snaps, that's eight snaps Carson Wentz doesn't have to throw the football. I don't know if he'll throw for 230, 240 anyway the way that Eagles team is playing right now. But if you give 8 to 12 snaps to Jalen Hurts tonight, it's going to be even harder for him to get there. That might be the look if you're looking for a Monday night prop bet. All right. So, Matt, let's say this game does happen. It looks like it's not going to happen tomorrow night, the Steelers and the Ravens. It's going to happen on Wednesday night. We've seen this line just uh, balloon up, uh, you know, six points or so. It's, what, 10, 10 and a half now with, with the Steelers. you got to feel the Steelers – they're an angry team. They've been very open about this. Uh, we saw the Twitter post with Juju Smith-Schuster and other guys as well, too. Uh, the Steelers feel like, hey, they're, they're, they're messing up their momentum here. Uh, they're going to point blame at Baltimore here. Uh, if this game is played, and it's not going to be Lamar Jackson, it's not going to be Mark Ingram, it's probably not going to be Brandon Williams on the defensive side of the ball. If this game is played, will this line continue to rise? Yeah, I don't know. So it's already officially canceled for tomorrow. We know that. Right. So it's not going to be played tomorrow. I can't imagine they're going to play it Wednesday. The NFL is going to have to do something here really quickly. Um, look what they did to the Denver Broncos. I mean, they literally didn't have a quarterback on the team. They, I mean, they were out there in the parking lot. Hey, any of you tailgaters ever play quarterback? 
why not make the Baltimore Ravens do the same thing? And if Baltimore is not comfortable lining up and taking that whipping that, that Denver did yesterday, well, then just forfeit the game and let's move on. Because if they don't, there's just nowhere to make up these games all of a sudden, and it starts snowballing and affecting all the other teams the rest of the way. You know, you, you mentioned the fact that there's no wiggle room. We've talked about it in the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, but the NFL right now is up against that as well. Could we see a situation, and I think you just alluded to the possibility of it, an NFL game actually where one of the teams has to forfeit it and you give it to the other team? And if the Steelers were the beneficiary of that, could they still be going after a perfect season if they only played 15 games? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what the alternatives are for the NFL. You didn't build in any cushion at this point, and you've you've done some pretty. I, I mean, they almost look cruel what they did to Denver at this point. Um, you have to do something. You just don't have any wiggle room left. You're running out. The the buys are pretty much over at this point. So what do you do? You either reschedule this. If they can't play this game by Wednesday. I mean, the rest of the schedule can snowball really quickly if you don't get this thing under control. I think they may have to force one of the teams to forfeit. So and this is the Baltimore Ravens. This game now is scheduled for Wednesday at 3.40 Eastern time. So that means it's a 1.40 game. What does this do, do to NBC? We talked about NBC losing their marquee Thursday night Thanksgiving matchup, and then it gets uh, over to Tuesday, still in prime time, though, and now they're going afternoon game. This is unbelievable. Well, and another sidebar to that, too, that I kind of just mentioned there in that last thing. What about – because there are places that have, will the Jets go 0-16? Will the Steelers go 16-0? and If you bet the Steelers to be undefeated, does that go if they get a game that they win by a forfeit? Or is that one of those house rule things again with the betting? Again, check your house rules, because I've seen several of the places, including William Hill, that has that prop up now on the Steelers. Will they go 16-0 and it says must play 16 regular season games for action? So if you bet that and they end up going 15-0 undefeated because of this cancellation, you very well could lose your bet. And on the other side, if they don't play the 16th game, but their record is 16-0, and do you win the bet? There you go. All right, Matthew Holt, U.S. Integrity joins us. Matt, before we let you go, UNLV disastrous at home against Montana State last week where they were a 12-point favorite. They got drilled. Now they're going to Carolina. They're supposed to be playing in Maui, but the, the Maui Invitational is now in Asheville, North Carolina, and the Tar Heels are 1-0. They beat College of Charleston by 19 the other night. Very young Tar Heel team, a bunch of freshmen, and a lot of people don't you know, probably remember this or realize this, but Roy Williams' team was 14-19 and 19 last year, but they are a 12-point favorite over UNLV. So where's the money going here? Well, interestingly enough, it's mostly going to North Carolina, who is now a 13-and-a-half-point favorite on the road at UNLV tonight. Um, the Tar Heels getting all the love. To your point, this is a very young team, though. No Sterling Manley, no Anthony Harris, so the, the couple of veterans that they did have won't be available tonight for the Tar Heels, and we're going to see a very young, very talented, but very young Tar Heel team on the road 
I don't know. UNLV's got to respond better than they did as a 12-and-a-half-point favorite at home against Montana State where they completely laid an egg. And some of it goes to continuity, a lot of new moving pieces for this UNLV team. We know COVID hurts the teams with more new pieces. Um, at 13-and-a-half, it's starting to get to a number where I'm a little bit intrigued by UNLV, but coming off that opening performance, yikes, I don't know that you can jump on them right now. No, plus the travel. They're, they're traveling to North Carolina. It's not a home game for Carolina, but it's right down the street there in Asheville. And Carolina just got such a size advantage. I mean, you're going seven foot six ten, six eleven on the front line. Yes, they're youngsters, and we know that you've got All-Americans all galore up and down that roster. But if we're going to go by what our eyes saw last week against Montana State for UNLV, I mean, that was just downright ugly. There was no continuity. There was no life. And, again, they, they really can't shoot the basketball. They have no size whatsoever. So conventional wisdom says, yeah, you lay it with North Carolina, but we've seen Carolina in these type of situations before, uh, you know, maybe not cover. So, again, this thing – it's it's kind of leery for me to play. Well, and again, the UNLV in that other game, they were down by 20 in most of that game. They oh, yeah. actually cut that yeah. down to the 13 points that they ended up losing yeah. by. They were down by 20 or 22 yes. for the majority of that game there. But who knows? Maybe they do the complete turnaround. They lost as a 12-and-a-half-point favorite. They went outright as a 13-and-a-half-point oh, dog. Yeah. Though my money will not be on that side. This is not 2011, <laughs> by the way, when UNLV last beat North Carolina, as you were well aware of. Yes, James. Uh, Ch- Chase Stanback had 28 in that game. Mike Moser had 18 rebounds and 16 points. 90 to 80 in a game that was played at the Orleans Arena as part of that Thanksgiving tournament on uh, November 27th, 2011. And North Carolina was number one number at that time. Number one at the time. I was actually at that game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember the crowd storming the court yeah. and people just going crazy and thought Dave Rice was the coach of the field. Future, and UNLV was going back to a Final Four. <laughs> and I remember three years later when I was at the game when uh, they played Arizona, who was ranked number three in the country. They stormed the floor that night at the Thomas and Mack Center, and they played Fantastica that night. And, uh, boy, those days are long and far between, guys. I'm telling you. You know, I was so excited when they hired TJ. I thought this just might be the guy we need. Certainly he's not the recruiter and doesn't have the recruiting network that Dave Rice has, but what a job he did at South Dakota State. He actually played a really up-tempo style that I thought was going to fit with the running Rebels moniker. But it has not been good since TJ got here, and hopefully things turn around in a hurry for the Rebels. Yeah, you look at this roster, it's just not good. And there was all this hype with David Jenkins, and I, you know, I think there's a reason why he only had South Dakota State uh, that recruited him in Otzelberger years ago because he, he got outplayed badly by the guards from Montana State. I mean, they all got outplayed very, very badly. And again, I just, you know, to this where we're at right now with basketball and football, Matt, I cannot remember a time when UNLV basketball and football has been this bad ever. Oh, yeah, especially the combo. I mean, the football team, look, Arroyo coming from Oregon, going to do all these things. I've seen some bad UNLV teams on football. This is by far the worst, and that says something because they've been really bad a few times. And this basketball team was lifeless in the opener. I mean, this is this is bad in the city. All right. All right. We appreciate you, as always, uh, brother. Uh, be good. Enjoy tonight. You and I will both be on the Seahawks. Hopefully we get home with that, and uh, we'll talk to you real soon. Thanks, guys. Best of luck tonight. Take care. There it is. Seattle Seahawks, a six-and-a-half-point choice over Philadelphia. And if we look at all of these NFC East teams, it's it's hard to back any of them 
And, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, you know, Seattle's defense is really bad. Russell Wilson hasn't been that good over the past three or four weeks. <laughs> the Seattle roster is so much better than the Eagles. And I, it would, I would be shocked if Seattle actually showed up tonight. I might rather Philadelphia showed up tonight. And how crazy is it? Because normally on a Monday night game this late in the season, if you say two teams that could both be bound for the playoffs, you think you got a pretty good matchup. <laughs> right. Well, one of them could be bound for the playoffs only because of where they are. Exactly. 3-6-1, and one, the Eagles. Steve Berline's going to join us on the other side. We're going to talk some Raiders or some Broncos. Actually, he quarterbacked both of those teams. We'll talk NFL, and we'll preview tonight's game with him as well. It is a Monday afternoon quarterback edition right here. The T.C. Martin Show is back. Yes! Yes! What are you doing? It's just a halftime. Yes, this is my favorite part of the game. T.C. Martin. Yes! In the face! The doctor is now in. 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 Don't forget, get on over to the William Hill Sportsbook and get involved in the mobile app. If you don't have the mobile app yet, you got to get it and get the free money as well, too. That's right. If you deposit at least $50, match it with another $50 by using the promo code TC50. Real simple to do. That's right. Deposit at least 50. They will match it with 50. Use that promo code and you get signed up at any of the William Hill Sportsbooks. We strongly encourage you to go to the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas. On Friday. On Friday. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Use the promo code TC50 for 50 free dollars. You can't beat it. The William Hill mobile app. So easy to use. It'll be the Friday 50 free. There you go. I like that. Say that three times real fast. Triple (laughs) F's. All righty. Here he comes out of the tunnel, ladies and gentlemen. I thought he actually might be coming out of the tunnel in Denver yesterday, but uh, I don't think he got that phone call. We'll find out. They wouldn't let him wear number seven, so he said no. I, I think that's it. There it is. Steve Berline. <laughs> What's going on, my man? Hey, hey, hey. I like that, uh, that, that they wouldn't let me wear number seven comment. That's freaking funny, man. I love that. Well, there you go, because we touched on that last week. If you remember, I started rattling oh, down yeah, the numbers, and, and you said, wait that a minute. Very... I've always had seven, except. <laughs> yeah, except for some reason. Yeah, there's some guy there in Denver who was wearing it, just wouldn't give it up. So there you go, man. Yeah, yeah. Not available. <laughs> so what's going on here, man? So we heard what happened in Denver. True story, as we know. No, so Drew Locke, Brett Ripien, Blake Bortles. Uh, I guess they should be commended for going over film and, and prepping for the Saints on Tuesday, but not wearing the mask, not social distancing. The NFL said, how, how did this happen where these guys contracted COVID and they went back to the surveillance cameras there at the Broncos facility and they saw what was going on there saying, hey, you guys weren't being safe. And the Broncos actually wanted their quality control coach to play quarterback. Now, when I heard this, Steve, I, I was blown away. I said, are you serious? You're actually going to go to Roger Goodell in the NFL, and you're going to petition to have your quality control coach to play quarterback because he serves on the scout team. I'm going, what's wrong with Burline? Why not go with Burline? D- did you at least get a phone call? No, you know, you would have been probably, if you would have texted me about that, you would have been about the 15th person that texted me that. So uh, I, I would have uh, been extremely limited in, uh, in what I could do. Uh, but uh, th- to answer the question, I think um, 
uh, Vic Fangio, who I know, I was with him in Carolina, uh, would have thought about it for a second or two. That would have been about it. Uh, he would have not gotten any any further than that. So, um, you know, in theory it sounds great, but absolutely not. How much did your heart go out to Hinton having to go in there who's not a quarterback and play quarterback in the NFL without any practices in an offense that he doesn't know and he was basically fed to the Wolves? Well, you know, that that kid deserves so much credit. And I don't think enough has been been made of that. Uh, to have the guts to go out there and in, in an NFL game, and, and you know, I mean, those those guys are licking their chops when they see a rookie quarterback that doesn't have any experience. Uh, they they just they're like a bunch of crazed dogs out there, and and you get a guy in that situation, there there is no mercy, there's no sympathy. It's it's uh, let, let's kill this guy, and um, that kid knew that going out there, and, and to to be put in that situation uh, is, is truly unfair. He was at risk of getting hurt. And that's really the only uh, defense that I think I would have made or I could have made uh, about postponing the game or or canceling the game, whatever they would have had to do. Someone really could have gotten hurt out there. And uh, very fortunate that that it didn't happen. Um, I think in that situation, for future reference, uh, whether it happens this year or if there's ever a situation like that again, they should give the team the option to just forfeit the game because I guarantee you, if Vic Fangio had that option, he would have thought very hard about that and said, "There's absolutely no reason to play this game. You, you know you can't win if you don't have a a quarterback uh, on the field." And so, um, anyway, I'm just very glad the way it worked out. And that kid, though, uh, Hinton, really deserves a lot of credit for just gutting it out and playing his guts out. Just really really selling out and trying to do whatever he could possibly do to compete you know you know as we know this is such a crazy season it literally changes by the day and we got the word today that the Steelers Ravens game is now going to get postponed till Wednesday Uh, Steve I want to ask you where do you stand on all of this and you mentioned something like a forfeit what we would never ever think that we would have an NFL forfeit before, but in situations like we saw yesterday with the Broncos and the Saints, and then with the Ravens and the Steelers, should we take into consideration how the Steelers feel, how the Saints feel? Should we be okay with these postponements? Should we get into the situation where you know maybe we start considering forfeitures? Where where do you think we are going with all this? And give me your opinion. Well, I think everybody's in the boat together, you know, and, and uh, these are very different situations. So, you know, the the Baltimore Ravens followed protocol. They had an outbreak. Um, that's what's happened to a few teams so far this year. Those teams deserve to uh, – they, they shouldn't be put in a position where they have to consider forfeiting a game. If there's a way to postpone or reschedule whatever, that that definitely should take place. Uh, what happened with the Broncos, it was determined that they did not follow protocol. Those guys violated uh, the protocol that everybody else in the league is expected to follow. And in that situation, that, that's where I think a forfeiture could be justified. Um, and, and only in a situation where you absolutely have no possible way of fielding a competitive team. Uh, but 
uh, you know, it, it, hopefully we'll never go through this again, at least not in our lifetime. But I really commend the NFL in general for for how they've managed to keep this this thing going and put a product on the field that, that, that people are interested and want to watch on Sundays and nobody's really complaining about it. Uh, this is the first major issue that we've really had. And, uh, you know, I, I think the teams are just doing the best they possibly can to, to gut it out. They all know that if they – if they catch uh, an outbreak, just that's just the luck of the. That's just the way it goes, you know. There's there's nothing you can do about it. You just find it out the best you can and uh, see where it all ends up. With the reality that the COVID numbers are going up right now, and the fear that with the cooler weather, that's going to continue to be the trend. How nervous is the NFL that COVID could become a factor come playoff time? And what if any? Um, provisions can they make to try to make sure that that doesn't happen i can't imagine the nfl playoffs like the uh the nhl and the nba or something like that being in a bubble well you know i'm sure that's their worst nightmare and i'm sure it's a fear uh and that they're discussing you know on a on a hourly basis you know as these reports come in from different teams and as they see the numbers around the, the world going up the way that they are um you know, it's who knows. Who knows? I think they're all they're praying. You know, just as hard as anybody that uh, that they can find a way to, to to salvage it all and and get through that Super Bowl and uh, and crown a, a Super Bowl champ. Um, you know, harder than anybody. But it, it's it's uh, it's a uh, it changes by the minute, as we all know. Uh, I really think that they're doing a super super job all things considered. You can't do the bubble like the NBA for obvious reasons. Um, and, and I think to make it happen the way that they have uh, has been truly amazing. And uh, when it's all said and done, uh, they'll look back on it with uh, a lot of pride, I'm sure. All right, Steve Berline uh, joins us, uh, CBS Sports, and the former quarterback himself. Steve, let's talk about the Raiders. Just a dismal performance by them against the Atlanta Falcons, 43-6. to a lot of fans here in Las Vegas are, are blown away how they could play so competitively against the Kansas City Chiefs seven days earlier and then to throw, to lay this egg the way they did against the Falcons. Yeah, uh, very disappointing, obviously, and, and there there is no excuse for it. But, TC, as you know, uh, this, this league can expose you very quickly, and um uh, you know, every one of these teams has superstar athletes and players. Um, and, and that Falcons team, I guarantee you down the stretch, nobody wants to play them. Uh, they, they are playing hard for Raheem Morris. They are competitive. They have a lot of pride. Uh, he's instilled their confidence back in them. And they want to set the record straight. They know that realistically speaking, they can't make the playoffs, but they can sure as heck cause a lot of problems for other people that have playoff aspirations like they did with the Raiders yesterday. And that's going to be their rally cry. It's going to be, let's see how many seasons we can mess up on the, uh, you know, to finish out this year for us. Uh, they really believe in themselves right now, and they're showing it. They're playing aggressively both sides of the ball. So um, it was a terrible loss for the Raiders. They were not ready to play. That's the, the problem that you run into with these teams that don't quite yet know how to handle success. Uh, they have a hard time putting the big wins behind them and refocusing as, as the great teams do and coming out and 
you know, giving, giving yourselves a shot to win each and every week. Uh, the Raiders just completely outclassed yesterday. So, Steve, we've known for the last few years, almost the last decade or so, the, the Raiders have had problems on the defensive side of the ball, but more importantly, it's the penalties. They've been characterized as an undisciplined team, and we saw that rear its ugly head again yesterday. 141 yards in penalties, 11 in total here. Why is this? And John Gruden's you know, been here now a few years, and, but we're just seeing the same old mistake after mistake you know, from these Raiders. How much of this is coaching? How much is it personnel? And why does it continue to happen, especially in games that they have to win? Well, I think John Gruden uh, has done a, a very good job uh, in general of, of changing the culture in that, uh, in that organization. Um, and, and Mark Davis deserves a lot of credit, too, for, for what they've you know, attempted to get done and what they are accomplishing uh, there are. They have been setbacks. You know, it seems like they take two steps forward, one step back. Uh, you know, quite a bit. Uh, but the important thing is that I think they're ahead of the game in general. And you know, the the the, the there's no excuse for what happened yesterday. Um, John Gruden will hammer that home on those guys. That is not who he wants to be. That is not acceptable from his perspective. And he will get that changed. And you know, but I do think in general. This year, and even we saw progress last year, that they have not been the most penalized team in the NFL, uh, as far as I can recall, for the last couple of years. And, and it's getting better each year. But every once in a while, it rears its ugly head. Um, it's a culture thing. It's a discipline thing. And I'm sure he is continually trying to weed out the guys that aren't buying into it. And, and get the right people in those positions and guys that he knows he can count on. But there are steps back every once in a while. And this was, this was a massive step back uh, against the Falcons on Sunday. As a player, when you have a game like this, are you more likely to just want to throw it in the rearview mirror, throw the tape away and forget about it? Or do you constantly look back at it and go, all right, this happened, but we have to make sure that it can't happen again? Because, again, they have a team like the Jets coming up this week, a team that on paper they should destroy. But after the game against Atlanta, who knows? Well, I think uh, every situation is different. There are some situations where, you know, if you've got a veteran team that just has a bad day or maybe you had a few injuries and, and you know, guys got exposed here and there and you get waxed one weekend, I think you, you just say, oh, you know what, it was a bad day for us. Uh, let's move on and put it behind us. But with the Raider team, with this team, and with their their opportunity in front of them right now, if they can, if they can find a way to – to win three or four games down the stretch, uh, they can, you know, do something special, get in the playoffs and, and maybe make some noise. I think you really, especially as you said, they're following up with the Jets this week. Uh, that is a game that there is absolutely no way they can – excuse me, some lady almost hit me. Uh, there's, there's no way that they can lose this game. Um, and I think John Gruden will, will really – uh, I think he'll turn into a little bit of a tyrant this week and uh, and really call people out, challenge people, make them watch that film, make them eat uh, you know, every bit of crow that he possibly can, and uh, hopefully they'll come out and respond well and get after the New York Jets with a vengeance, take their, take their frustration and their anger out on the Jets 
this next weekend. Maybe that was a Raider fan that was passing you up there. Did you get that license plate number? <laughs> no, I did not get a license plate number, but it was uh, it was a lady that was was not even remotely concerned with my feelings whatsoever. Oh no, sounds so. terrible. <laughs> be, be careful out there, my friend. He is Steve Burline. He's traveling the uh, the roads there of uh, Los Angeles, I, I believe. Hey, Steve, tell me how you feel about roughing the passer. Oh, did you see that tweet? <laughs> That's exactly where I'm going. So on Twitter, I guess you're watching the Packer Bear game last night, right? And you, were, oh my look, God, you were a little upset, yeah. weren't you? I was. It was. I was like, you cannot, you you cannot call that. I mean, it it's already bad enough. You know, if you hit the quarterback high, you hit him low, you hit him in the head, you land on him, it's a penalty, right? But but that penalty they called was early in the Green Bay. Uh, Chicago game last night, and I'm a huge Aaron Rodgers fan, and you know I'm really impressed with what he's doing this year. But come on, man, uh, that 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 dude uh, rushed, and I don't, I can't remember who it was, but it was literally he got to Aaron Rodgers right as he let go of the ball. He pulled up, hit him with two hands on his shoulders, and knocked him to the ground. Not even a violent hit. It was literally a play that you would make playing two hand touch. With your with your neighborhood friends, and that's what I said in the tweet. I was like, "That's legal in two hand touch," but you're telling me you can't do that in the NFL? It doesn't make any sense. I mean, these these referees, especially for the high profile quarterbacks, um, they they always edge on err on the side of over extreme caution, and I just think it's wrong. I mean, part of the job as an NFL quarterback is you got to take a shot once in a while. You've got to take a good, clean hit once in a while. These guys cannot be punished for, for trying to and actually abiding by the rules. You know, you cannot throw a flag on a guy doing that. And we saw that in the Chiefs-Buccaneers game yesterday, too, where, where Brady and Mahomes, I, I don't want to say love taps, but got you know hit inadvertently on the top of the helmet, and both you know, were personal foul, roughing the, the passer penalties here. It's it's this way every week. It seems it's even gone down to the collegiate level now. It is crazy. It's ridiculous. I mean, you know, there used to be a badge of of, of honor and, and a a pride thing that you could take a hit. You know, these guys now, literally, and I love Brady, but he he and Drew Brees and Peyton Manning are the ones that that I think really started the uh, the attention. Uh, I mean, when they get hit, they 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 look at the referee. And they're like, uh, the, the guy just hit me. Uh, excuse me, that's not supposed to happen. I'm like, that is not exactly what the position is defined as, or at least it was defined as. You you have got to stand there and take one in the chops once in a while and uh, and understand that's part of the game. You can't be looking for the flag every time somebody hits you. Yeah, yeah. Who, who knew that Vladi Divac was teaching quarterbacks how to flop in the NFL these days? But but then on the <laughs> other side of it, like how you mentioned, it, the, the Stars get that stuff, and a little bit later on, and again, the Bears weren't going to win the game. But Trubisky goes back. There's a face mask. He drops the ball because of it. Then another guy grabs his face mask. The Packers pick it up and run it in the end zone. No flag on that on a double face mask. How come you're protecting one quarterback from penalties that don't happen and the other one gets two face masks on the same plays and you go, well, you know, the Bears aren't really sold on this guy anyway. <laughs> well, Right. You know what? Everybody brushes it off, right? There's, there's no question it's a, it's a double standard, and it really is wrong. Um, uh, I understand. I mean, heck, you know, what happened to Joe Burrow uh, last week was was uh, horrifying. And what's happened to a lot of these quarterbacks uh, in the past is, is so bad. 
Um, but guess what? It, it's a it's a violent game, and these things are going to happen. And uh, uh, you know, it, it, unless you're going to change the game that dramatically, where you're not even going to allow these guys to get hit, um, uh, it, it's going to continue to frustrate people. And you know, you wonder why the numbers are what they're at. You know, the, what, these quarterbacks and these receivers that are putting up numbers. These, it's hard to play defense right now. I mean. It's not because quarterbacks are better and receivers are better. It's because if you say that, you're implying that defensive players are worse. And that, that's not the case. I mean, they're, they're all better athletes. They're all very competitive. But the rules have changed so dramatically. These defensive guys cannot hit the way that the game was meant to be played. And, and I, I understand it's all for, for you know, health and safety, and I agree with all of it, but it's not the same game. And, they're, they're, they, you know, these numbers that are being put up, there, there should be an asterisk by all of them. I mean, because what Dan Marino did to get to 50,000 yards, nobody ever thought anybody would pass that up. And I, I believe if the game hasn't cha- hadn't changed the way that it has with the rules, nobody would have broken that record. And But but now they're blow- everybody's blown by it. And, uh, you know, it's a shame from that perspective. But we still love watching the game. I just think the bottom line is that you have to allow quarterbacks to get hit, uh, especially if it's a good, clean shot. It's just part of the job. Steve, real quick, give me a breakdown tonight. Monday Night Football, Seattle, Philly. Yeah, I mean, you know, where's Carson Wentz? That's what it's going to come down to. You know, I, I said it on my uh, Monday NFL QB show today that, you know, I think the Washington Redskins are going to win that division because of the schedule and everything else unless Carson Wentz wakes up and starts playing some good football these last six games. It starts tonight. He's got to start playing for his job and play like 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 he he doesn't care anymore because I think he's been playing too cautious and caring too much. I think it'll be a great game tonight. I think Carson Wentz is going to play well, uh, but I think the Seahawks are have got the edge, and, and I, I think Russell Wilson finds a way to win this game. All right. You can catch him on CBS Sports Network, NFL Monday QB, himself, Rich Gannon, Trent Green. Uh, they're breaking it down each and every Monday on the CBS Sports Network. All right, my man, I appreciate you taking the time, as always. Greatly appreciate it. And uh, you got to get to Vegas here so we can uh, we can rendezvous and we can take care of you a little bit here. Well, I'm going to make that happen for sure. I'm going to take you up on that. Yeah, and, and remember, you might want to keep your Wednesday open because if Baltimore calls, they might they might let you wear number seven for that game. That's true. You, uh, could, be, you they, could be seven. They, in, in, <laughs> I could be number seven there. You're right. Uh, I think I think Trent Dilfer wore number four, so I'm okay. You're good. <laughs> All right, my man. Appreciate you, Steve. Take care. All right, guys. Take care. There See he you. is, Steve Berline, the former quarterback, and uh, does a great job with CBS. Yeah, All right. I, I, I think Dilfer won a Super Bowl, but I don't think they retired his number. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He was the Might still be game available. <laughs> manager, as they like to say, right? Very nice. Don't yeah. turn it over. <sighs> All right. I want to thank Steve Berline, Matthew Holt for joining us. Uh, tomorrow we got a terrible Tuesday edition. The big seven footer joins us. He's going to be basking in the glory of USF beating number four Virginia over the weekend. So that'll be fun. All right, we got that Kelsey Plum, Las they Vegas fire Aces. They on threes in that game. Yes, they did. Kelsey Plum, Las Vegas Aces, will join us tomorrow as well. Chuck Esposito from Sunset Station, a whole lot more coming your way. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website, tcmartinshow.com. Check out the latest articles, the COVID situation, the interviews, all up there. For Ballpark Frank, Numchuck, TC saying so long. We'll catch you tomorrow at 2.